tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Max show with the loud boom that when it happens in my house, I start looking for the dog. I, no, we, you know, Mark. It says loud boom in Texas County, believed to be from a meteorite strike. Yeah. Yeah. And we have loud booms where I live and I'm not kidding because of the, uh, well, we have the Aniston army depot, which is always scary. Yeah. We have Fort McClellan, uh, former Fort McClellan. And we have, a uh, another area over here that where they do all the army training and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there is, they do actual live round training. Okay. Right. And if you can imagine, I have walls in my house that look like we're in Southern California from the earthquake. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. And yeah, people come in and they look like, Dave, your house is falling down. No, it's not. It's just, that's, you know, <laughs> and like the, you have to, it's just crazy because mm-hmm. I grew up with this, you know, and you see yeah. these little cracks and things and I look at them and it's like, I'd go back to being 10 years old again. But right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. a loud boom in Texas, a meteorite, really? <laughs> yeah, a mysterious boom that prompted multiple reports of an explosion in a Texas county was caused by a meteorite strike. That's what the officials are saying. Hidalgo County Sheriff Eddie Guerra said uh, numerous reports of a loud explosion were made in the lower Rio Grande Valley near Mission on Wednesday afternoon last week. Guerra said the sound is now believed to have been a been caused by a meteorite spotted by two pilots flying near Houston. The meteorite is believed to have struck Earth at about 5.28 p.m. Wednesday. The National Weather Service in Brownsville, Texas, confirmed that a satellite system aimed at measuring lightning strikes detected an apparent meteorite at the same time. Guerra Hmm. tweeted that the exact point of impact is unknown. He said there were no reports of injuries or property damage. Again, I go back to if there's something like that, you'd think we'd have a way to track that, you know, Yeah. every time. And I mean, I know that it kind of goes back to how how big of the world we live in is and how mm. small it is. OK, yeah, yeah. small in the way that we look at it. But we I would just think you can track every if we can if they can listen to what you and I are saying and give <laughs> us something on our our feed. OK, right on our Facebook feed something you you mentioned a solar panel for your car you know right and next thing you know all these ads for brand new solar panels for cars and yeah yeah i Mm. well if if they can track where every piece of space junk is yeah really you would think they would know when something's falling you know yeah hey here it comes (laughs) gotta hey can you turn the motor on that satellite because we gotta get it about 10 miles (laughs) out of the way Mm, the best they can do is is say "Mm, hold on let us check um no that's not ours you know, that's, yeah. that's all they can this do. Is how, this is exactly how Marvin the Martian arrives and says, I claim this planet. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show where I'm, I read this headline and I'm thinking of all the daggone weird things that we have seen in the world of entertainment out of scotland okay here we go record-breaking scottish theater group staging 24-hour concert mm-hmm. a scottish theater troupe is raising funds with an especially long performance titled 24 hours of song the i, I love the name of their theater the rubber chicken theater a Dunblane Theater group that broke a Guinness World Record in February of 2022 by staging the world's fastest theatrical production is raising funds a year later with a 24-hour marathon of singing. Um, the creative director there, Pamela Mackey, 
uh, says this year, there are no records to break, but our performing arts family are once again coming together to support a common goal. Uh, 24 hours is a long time to fill, but our family of resilient performers are no strangers to a challenge. The theater group said nearly 100 performers of all ages are participating in the continuous performance, which began at 7 p.m. local time uh, last Thursday and concluded at 7 p.m. Friday. This would be impressive if we didn't watch Jerry Lewis do it for every Labor Day, you know, <laughs> weekend telethon for 20 years, you know. <laughs> They're going to do it for 24. He did it for 72 hours. <laughs> On TV. And he looked like it. Oh, yeah. Well, by the end. Yeah. Yes, he did. You know what was funny about that and uh, in a good way is that, you know, when he Jerry Lewis was not a bad looking man as he got older. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. you know, and then in the 90s, he got fat, right? Yeah, he did. He ballooned up. Okay. It wasn't from overeating or any bad diet. It wasn't like that. It was he had an issue and he mm-hmm. was taking um, steroids yeah. um, and different things that they gave him for this uh, illness that he had. Yeah. And it one of the side effects is bloating. And they actually had a meeting one year about the, the Labor Day telethon and said, well, you know, Jerry, uh, maybe maybe you take a break this year. You know, maybe you don't do it because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and he said, look, you know, I do this to raise money and awareness to help children. I didn't sign on to do this only if I look good. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, yeah, because that's like the antithesis of, you know, of stars. Yeah, it is. So it really anyway, is it was yeah. just very exciting. Wow. And that he said that out loud. And then of course, once they got his uh, meds under control and everything, he lost the weight, you know, and, mm-hmm. and went back down to his regular weight. But I'll never forget that because, you know, people are hypercritical of, of artists in quotes. Yeah. And, uh, and he might've been a, he might not have been your cup of tea as right. an actor or comedian, yeah. yeah. but his heart was in the right place. It really was. Life radio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, uh, oh my goodness. What? You know, Mark, <laughs> you made fun of, not made fun. You've, uh, pointed out. Now, in news stories, oftentimes when they talk about a dog, they'll yes. say dog and then canine. Mm-hmm. If it's a bear, it's a Bruin. If right. it's a cat, it's a feline. Yes. So here we've got Virginia Angler. <laughs> That's a fisherman. Uh-huh. Right? That's a, I know. How does, fish, what is, how does angler fit with fisherman? I've never gotten that. I don't that. know. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought you would know. know. No, I just don't know. And technically, he is an angler. That is the term. But the thing is that... that so where, where are you doing? I'm going angling. You just, right. you know, but nobody says that. I'm going no, fishing. Says, he, oh, yes. so you're a fisherman. Yes. Gone fishing instead of just a wishing. That's right. <laughs> well, wildlife officials in Virginia shared photos of an angler's rare catch from the James River, a golden largemouth bass. Hmm. The uh, Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources said Jacob Moore was fishing in the river near Chipokes State Park when he reeled in the curiously yellow fish. Hmm. Moore told the wildlife agency, I haven't seen anything like that before. I've seen bass with black spots, but I've never seen an albino one. Alex Hmm. McCrickard, the agency's aquatic education coordinator. (laughs) Yes, it's a real job. (laughs) What's your kid do? He's an aquatic education coordinator. What does that mean? I have no idea. He he said the fish is not an albino, but it has a related condition. 
He says that golden largemouth bass are extremely rare, and most anglers have never seen them, let alone heard of them before. The fish is a product of a genetic mutation that alters the skin pigments called xanthism. Yellow pigmentation dominates in xanthism, as you can see in Moore's golden largemouth. Moore said he was re- he's returned the fish to the river after he measured it and snapped a few photos. So. <laughs> you know, I think I studied xanthism in Bible college. It was a cult, <laughs> I think, but, you know... <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. You know, Mark, a little bit ago when we were talking about the xanthism, mm-hmm. <laughs> the music plan, yeah. those little things are going through my head about this gold bass, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, okay, maybe the fish was an alcoholic and drank a lot of uh, gold schlager, you know? Got the little flakes of gold in it. And then I was thinking, That's xanthism. Yes. These are the people who use the pan flute and zamphir as their god, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you got a gold fish over here, uh-huh. and you got zamphir and the pan flute over here. <laughs> so we got a whole, or, you know, a whole cult is in the making right there. Yikes. <laughs> you remember that guy, Bob Larson? I think it was his yeah, name. Yeah. That wrote the book about cults. Yeah. And um, we had him on our show. And, um, yeah, he actually autographed a book for me. Yeah. Um, you, and you and I both had listened to his show mm-hmm. years earlier yeah. at different times, yeah. not together. Yeah. And uh, I always found it interesting, and he was an interesting guy. Very. But uh, yeah. it was just one of those things where, you know, I no matter how much you learn about other religions, and there's mm-hmm. lots to learn, there's, there's so many different religions. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I kept going back to is something you taught me on the show about recognizing the truth. Mm-hmm. And knowing, you know, how do you, you know, how do you recognize the truth when you have all these other religions that run parallel? They have very similar things to God and what we believe. Yeah. And you explained how, uh, how bank tellers are taught to recognize a a fake. And I think it's worth repeating now. Because Jane was a bank teller for several years and uh, they didn't teach them to recognize counterfeit money. They taught them to recognize real money. So you were so intimately familiar with the way real money looked, the way it it felt in your hands the way everything about it you knew real money you knew when what you were holding wasn't real money so you could spot a counterfeit because you knew what the real thing was like so that's why it's so important to stay in the word every day to maintain a prayer life to to maintain that relationship because that way you know the real thing when it's standing in front of you and you don't know the real thing or you know it's not the real thing when something counterfeit is in front of you. That's the reason for maintaining that relationship. You have to know the real thing. That way you don't get fooled by the fake. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mag Show. And I, I need to go back. Just quickly, okay? Yes. <laughs> I was talking about Bob Larson a minute ago yeah. and uh, a little bit ago with Mark, and uh, I, I was getting to the point of recognizing, you know, the truth. Right, and, yeah. And because before um, Mark and I were on the air doing the show and, and Mark shared that bit of information about how they teach tellers to recognize real money and applying that to our, our life walk, you know, and um, I was it was kind of a hobby of mine to look at other religions and learn about them and study them a mm-hmm. little bit and, I, I spent, I did spend a lot of time because it was, it was entertaining, Mm -hmm. but I felt like it had some value, you know, um, in my life in talking to other people, but it really didn't. It was, it was interesting to know how people, but 
there was there were a lot of very consistent things about false religions and false teaching. Yeah. And beyond that, but um, Larson had a book about the I think it's the Encyclopedia of Cults or something like that. Mm. And I did find it interesting. Um, very well documented and very straightforward. Um, it's written, uh, you know, about sixth grade level. So I was good with that, but you know, I'm not endorsing him or his well. I don't know him. You know, we, I, we met him, uh, Mark's met him more than I have, but you know, the reality is, um, he wrote these books. I found them interesting until you pointed out how they teach, uh, tellers to recognize fake money at the same time. At the same time, I, I do think it is, it's interesting and it's useful to know where the error begins. Right. Yeah. So if, if they're following, they're teaching, oh, well, this is compatible with Christianity. Anytime nope. somebody says that, I know, well, it's not then. Yeah. Because there's nothing compatible with Christianity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the biggest line, and this is the one that you will hear if you actually listen for it, when somebody talks about the Abrahamic faiths. Mm. That's when, that's how Muslims actually blur the line between yeah, Islam yeah. and Christianity. Yeah. Just so you know. And believe me, when you mention Abrahamic faiths and you go right to that mm-hmm. and look at what happened, and it's like, this is not a blurring. This is a total separation. Yeah. It teaches you exactly why they are not compatible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why when Obama said, referring to constantly the Abrahamic faiths and then claimed he wasn't, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. And you're like, well, okay, what is the one thing we do know about Muslim Islam? Okay. Yeah. I'm throwing this yeah. out there. They can lie to anybody else as long as it furthers the cause of Islam. Yeah. There you it's, go. it's actually that's, a principle. It's actually, yes. <laughs> it actually is. Yeah. And so that's where yeah. the value of learning what other religions believe and do comes into handy because yeah. that's how I did learn that. Right. So I thought, you know, because people were like, well, he said this and he does that. I'm like, okay, that's right there out of the book. If you'll just, why are you not listening? You know, why? <laughs> Didn't I tell you this already? Come on. Mm-hmm. This is so simple. By the way, would you like to see the parents of their children? Here they are. Here's the picture. And yes, she's not. A, look, women okay. don't have Adam's apples. All I'm just right. saying. Yes. They no. don't. Do you know any woman in the world that has yeah. an Adam's apple, Mark? Um, no, no. <laughs> there isn't. The, the DNA will always tell the truth. That's yes. all I can say. Yes. A woman does not have an Adam's apple, and Thank men cannot much. give birth to babies. Thank you. liferadio.fm Mark and Mac show and just a quick heads up we're going to be freshening up the station over the next couple of days so you might hear some mistakes and errors yeah you you may like you might hear a song play twice in a five times (laughs) yeah you didn't I just hear that like 10 minutes ago and it's it's we're shifting back and forth between two data databases and and the computer the system that plays the music it doesn't know (laughs) we just tell it okay switch to this one and and the like casting may play twice you know yeah you're gonna yeah i guarantee it actually you know what we could we could raise money on this okay we should launch on a tuesday where two for tuesday is one thing but if we can get three or four in a row on tuesday yeah there you go that's the money it could be we could do it tomorrow and make it three for thursday so there you go see thirsty thursday there you go Oh my word, Mark! You yeah, know, just some days are diamonds. Yeah, um, a pig that looked cold. A pig that looked cold. Yeah. Why is this a a pig that looked cold? Well, when it's I'm, covered I'm with little goose pimples, this. I mean, it's gonna, yeah. Oh, that's a goose pimply pig. <laughs> Police in Alaska said a wandering pig that looked cold 
at the side of a road, got a lift home in a patrol cruiser. Dude, it's a pig in Alaska. What do you expect? <laughs> Alaska. Yes. And you know what? Everybody's cold. <laughs> the Anchorage Police Department posted a photo to Facebook showing the pet pig riding in the back of one of the, the department's patrol cruisers in Fairview. Quote from Facebook, we got a call from a concerned citizen regarding a pig in Fairview standing on the side of the road who looked cold. We're all familiar with refrigerated bacon. We just never thought we'd respond to a call for service related to that topic. Wow. Police wrote the portly dude was quite friendly. Officers wow. were able to identify the owners of the pig named Elvis Pigsley. Oh, <laughs> and the pet was returned home. Wow. <sighs> yeah, okay. See, the owner gets points for the name. Come on. And, and the fact that, you know, it's not food yeah, because you don't name the food. But, that's right. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Elvis Pigsley. <laughs> That's going to be stuck in my head all day. Mm-hmm. It actually is probably going to come out at the wrong time. Probably Mark. so. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Just reminds me of that old story that my dad told me once about the, the, the salesman who called on the farm and, uh, it was late in the day. So the, the farmer's wife invited him to come in and share dinner with them. And as he was sitting at the table and they were enjoying dinner, the, he noticed that sitting on a, on a pillow in the corner, was a pig mm-hmm. with three legs. And he said, wow, what, what happened to the pig? And, uh, the farmer says, <clears throat> well, not too many years ago, the house caught fire and burned down. And that, uh, that their pig saved our lives, woke us up, got us out of the house. And the salesman said, oh, was he, did he, did he burn his leg in the fire? And the farmer says, oh no, a pig that good. You just can't eat all at once. <laughs> life radio.fm it's the mark and mac show and you know we have television shows in the united states of america and uh, that are that are maybe not seen around the world i know mm-hmm. some do yeah um and there are television shows all around the world in different countries that we don't watch here yeah. you know yeah just it's just the way it is now a lot of times producers here rip off a country you know for oh, their sure. stuff and yeah um there was actually in uh during the big bang theory heyday back in the day uh i think in uh, one of the former soviet bloc countries uh, uh-huh. uh actually had their own version of big bang theory <laughs> and ripped off the scripts they just changed the language you wow. know yeah and That's crazy. It, they got caught and had to pay but that happens they're going on around the world right now that's mm. happening yeah. And there are probably a few shows on American television that somebody could lay claim to, you know. Well, but, there have been some famous shows, All in the Family, uh, yeah. Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. Steptoe and Son in Great right. Britain. Right, yeah. But yeah. They, those were licensed, so that's yes. yeah, a different thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of the U.K., uh, well, TV- see, whenever I see a story about television in the UK, I think right. about the shows that we ripped off, you know? Yes. Yes. And since we're on in the UK, I thought this was kind of interesting. Right. If you watch TV in the UK, you got to pay an annual license fee. It's, this is not cable. This is not paying the cable bill. You actually have to pay an annual license fee, even if you're using an antenna and catching it off air. What? The BBC collects the money, hands it over to the government and the government doles a bit of it back to the BBC to fund them. It's a very strange oh. system. If you think I didn't know that, yeah, if you think TV should be paid for by the people who use it, we already have a system for that here. It's called the free market. 
Uh, premium networks and streaming services can charge subscribers. On the other hand, if you want publicly funded TV, you can just fund that through general a general income tax. I think. Just remember that, friends. They, they're taking part of your tax money and paying for NPR and uh, yep. PBS and things like that and all of that stuff that they generate that's just contrary to general sanity. There's no need to charge TV viewers specifically. Now, suppose you get your hands on a TV in the UK and you watch it without paying for a license. How's the government going to know? Well, that's where the BBC's TV detector vans come into the picture. <laughs> These vans patrol streets and use uh, equipment like oscilloscopes and other things to see if TV signals are being accessed inside of people's homes. These vans can even tell which channel you're watching. And since wow. more recent laws say you need to pay the licensing fee even if you watch BBC online, they say the vans can tell what website you're watching by pointing their antennas at your house. As uh, for what huh. technology could possibly facilitate some of those more unlikely feats of surveillance, well, nobody's ever explained that. In, fi- in fact, despite operating for over 70 years, these vans have never once reported anyone for authorized TV access. <laughs> this revelation has led to wide speculation. Maybe the vans don't actually do anything other than putting the fear of the law into everyone. Remember that old wow. inspirational slogan that says a scared populace is an obedient populace. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I would I would bet on that, actually. I would bet wow. that the vans don't really, because when they're saying, oh, they can even tell if you're watching it online. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I'm going, mm-hmm. they got something we don't know. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. Yeah. Okay. It's, wow. It's just. This is like when LaDonna told the kids when they were young that, you know, when I was working some long hours, she said that we had installed video cameras, hidden cameras all over the house <laughs> so we could tell when they were acting up. And for years, Haley would walk into a room in our house and she'd look up in the corners and the ceiling and everything. <laughs> I think. Wow. <laughs> I think she was married and moving to Wisconsin when we told her, no, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show you know mark we cover a lot of stories and and but one of the funniest that we tend to gravitate towards are stupid criminals yep and when i see a story that says chatty robbers busted <laughs> you know i'm just thinking uh-huh. this these are people who deserve to be in jail yep and they've earned the stinger for our stupid criminals oh yes. In Brazil, there was a string of car robberies. Several days later, a friend of one of the victims was on Facebook when one of the thieves posted about his part in those robberies. The victim's friend called the cops who tracked down the chatty suspect. In all, five guys were involved in what police described as a fairly sophisticated operation. Unfortunately, they weren't sophisticated enough to keep their mouths shut online. (laughs) Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Un- you know, that's something that happens here on a regular basis mm-hmm. now where, yep. you know, criminals will go on Facebook. You know, the police have like a, you know, their most wanted stuff on Facebook and, yep. you know, Calhoun County's most wanted. And they'll go on there and, and ta- you know, and I'm right over here. Can't you find me? You're stupid, you know. Yes. And it's like, yes, they can. You just told them where you were, you moron. You know, again, you three, some people just belong in jail, you know. Yes. The Mark and Mac Show. liferadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. There is a story 
um, that has been uh, in the news for a couple of days, I think, in that um, Mark and I were both talking about it during the music. Yeah. Curious. Do the story because curious sure. if yeah. the woman actually is from Florida or if she's a transplant. Yeah, here we go. Um, an elderly woman died as a result of an alligator attack in Fort Pierce, Florida, Monday. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Co- Conservation Commission says that 85-year-old Gloria Surge was walking her small dog near a retention pond in the Spanish Lakes Fairways, a living community for those 55 years and older, when the alligator attacked. The report from the commission said the 10-foot alligator came out of the pond and knocked over the woman before dragging her into the water by her foot. Witnesses to the attack say uh, the alligator tried to get at the woman's dog but then attacked the woman when she tried to save the dog. Uh, A neighbor named Carol said, "I, I heard kind of a commotion and I looked out and I saw the dog and I saw my neighbor. I just remember her coming up and, you know, pushing her hair out of her face and getting air. Ugh, that's that's just... Yeah, mm. she said the victim told her she couldn't swim toward the edge because the alligator had her. Uh, she's haunted by her inability to help. But I'm looking here mm. and I don't see, I don't see anything about her being a recent transplant. But right. the thing is that that people who live in Florida and have lived there for any amount of time know not to walk near bodies of water, right? Because of this, it's. Like, you know, I've told you the story. I've told it on mm-hmm. the show about the time we had a breakdown. Jane and I, our, our car broke down and uh, <clears throat> we were sitting on the side of the road just out, just inside the, uh, the, uh, the boundary for Walt Disney World. And uh, we called the friends uh, down there that we were staying with that week. And they, and they said, well, whatever you do, don't go near, don't go on that side of the car if you're parked there because there's a retention pond there and there's a big alligator that lives in that retention pond. Wow. And see, you told me that and it just scared me just immediately. But hey, I did find out, Mark. Yeah. Um, Miss Miss Sergey was from New Jersey. Okay. Uh, she is a transplant. She and her husband moved down there several years ago when they retired. Mm. And uh, we're active. Uh, it, there's a New Jersey club in their retirement group okay. that gets together. Yeah. Anyway, she was part of that. And, yeah. But still, so, she's if she's lived there for any amount of time. Been there long enough. Yeah. I would think so. And they, of course, the, the gator went for the dog. It's going for yeah. something that's a, it's a meal, you know. Mm. gulp and uh yep. and she got in the way and it said okay well, i'll take you then yep oh. yeah there's a there was a uh one of these videos you see on youtube it's a guy in south carolina that was out walking his little chihuahua when a small gator came up out of their pond and and grabbed the dog i've and seen that yes old man man goes down there and pounds away at the gator to get yeah. his dog back yes. and did and yeah. i'm thinking you know even a small gator mm-hmm. can take you yeah. you know well that was a small gator i remember i've seen that but the yeah this one a 10 footer Ooh. Yeah, that ain't small. Oh. That ain't nothing. There's nothing. You know what? That's four pieces of luggage and boots. Yep. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, you and I have talked about Disney. Um, and, uh, from the television show and the movies to the theme parks. Mm-hmm. because And it's not like we're selling the goods of Disney. No. We just talk about them because... From an entertainment perspective, uh, Disney has been a part of our lives, whether it was watching it as a child on television or going to the theme parks as adults, taking mm-hmm. kids there, whatever it happens to be. Disney is really a big part of those born after 1950. It is. I think, anyway. And, it you it know, is, yeah. I, so, much, so, so much so that, here's this will tell you something, it was so much so a part of the life of kids in the late 50s, early 60s, 
and beyond that the first time, well, that we, when we took the show down there, we took the show mm-hmm. down to Walt Disney yeah. world and we gave we gave away, you know, uh, a, a vacation for a family of four and they mm-hmm. got to go to Disney world. We walked in through, uh, under the train station and into main street USA. And I got actually got, I got verklempt. Right. I mean, I, I got misty just yeah. like, wow, just wow. And I'd been there before. Right. It's just that it was, it's such a, it's such an integral part of your life that when you walk in there, it's like, holy smokes, this is amazing. Didn't you go yeah. to Disney Orlando in its first years? Yeah. It's like the year after it opened. Yeah. yeah. And my, and see, I grew up near Disneyland in Anaheim. Right. Yeah. I remember we were there on that trip and my dad walked off. He saw a construction wall and, and, and there were some, some people there, you know, working, going in and out. And, and he being a, a draftsman guy who draws mm-hmm. structural plans for buildings and stuff. Um, he walked over out of curiosity and said, Hey, what you working on? And he came back and my mom said, well, what'd they say? He said, now oh, they're building some pirate ride. <laughs> how funny yeah but you know mark the what's really odd and it's it, growing up in anaheim and i've told you this before growing up in southern california we didn't go to any of the attractions unless we had family from out of state coming to visit right and then we would go you know right it, yeah. it's just like living anywhere you know we always talk about this that 75 percent of the tickets for the talladega super speedway races are sold mm. out of state yep uh, but and same thing with Alabama. A lot of people are Alabama fans and have never been to Tuscaloosa. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's just the way things are. But anyway, yeah. Um, I remember growing up and going, to, getting to go to Disney was a big deal, yeah. and uh, it always was fun. And when I w- went to uh, uh, Disney World, and I remember somebody saying Disneyland in Anaheim. If you've only if you've been to Disney World in Orlando, mm-hmm. and then you go to Disneyland, all you can think of is Disneyland is so small. Yeah, it's a cute little park. <laughs> yes, it is compared to the other parks. It is very small. It is, yeah. But it's it's a it was big to me as a kid. You know, yeah, and of course it is. And and but for that's what why it, when we when when we went to the main, well, I don't know which would would you. You know, the first thing we went to with the, the castle and yeah, everything? Yeah, the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Okay, that's all they have out in, in Anaheim, you know? And the one and in yet, Anaheim would fit inside of uh, of Main Street, USA, in the one in Florida. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so all the other things are just like the bonus round, you know, yeah. because you can't do, you can't just do the Magic Kingdom in a day right. and do everything you want to yeah. do. But I tell you so, what, though, the, the in, in Anaheim, the the um i guess the attraction density is what is fantastic out there i mean everything is so tight and so close together you're not walking for miles in a day to do right. everything in florida where you walking shoes cuz you're going to be walking a lot <laughs> <laughs> well there as far as uh, people visiting goes uh from what i understand in florida 20% of their of their traffic is locals they're people who have annual, wow. you know, the local annual passes, the Florida annual pass. And they go, you know, they go every weekend with the kids or it's a thing. They go Sunday afternoon and they go hang out someplace inside the park. And in California, 80% of the traffic is locals. Oh, wow. <clears throat> because people don't travel to California to go to Disneyland, but they do travel to Florida to go to Disney World. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, they're, weird that way. 80%, those people are there a lot those people who have annual passes they don't call it an annual pass anymore but they 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 are there a lot some of them are there 
every day. And there's one guy who visited the Disneyland theme park in Anaheim for 2,995 consecutive days. Wow. And he has earned <laughs> a certificate from our friends at Guinness World Records. What is that? It's a, it's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It looks like a lamb. Guinness World Records announced that Jeff Wrights, he's 50, earned the record for the most consecutive visits to Disneyland. Wrights' daily visits to Disneyland began in 2012 and ended just shy of 3,000 visits. I was going to question his commitment, but then I read this. That's when the park closed down because of COVID-19. <laughs> so COVID kept him from getting five more visits, which would have rolled him over three grand. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wrights, who chronicled his daily Disney trips on social media, started getting media attention after his 60th consecutive visit to the park, and he made international headlines in 2017 when he made his 2000th visit and was awarded with a backpack full of gifts by Disney officials. Wright wow. said he hasn't been back to Disneyland since the start of the pandemic, but he's hoping to make it in time for Disney's 100th anniversary celebrations later this year. He says, I have not set a return date yet, but now I think it would be really fun to return with my Guinness World Records title certificate to get pictures where I earned it inside Disneyland. Wow. I think that's awesome. Eight plus years of never missing a day. Yeah. Does kind of make you wonder what is a, you know, because he's 50 now, right? Yeah. So, yeah. All during his 40s. What kind of career does this guy have? I, don't I mean, know. does he actually work at Disney? I well, mean, maybe what, he's a street sweeper. Well, whatever he's got, he can go there for at least a few minutes every day. You know, yeah. go get a burger or, you know, go grab a, a soft drink someplace or, you know, just. My and there goodness. are people who do that. So where you want to get dinner tonight? Hey, let's go eat at this place. At, and it's at Disneyland, you know? Wow. Let's go play Just twice wow. as much for dinner as we need to. Right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. You get a burger at Disney. It's going to be $357. You know? <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show and a little bit ago we had a story about an 85 year old new jersey woman who transplanted to florida a couple you know probably decades ago yeah but uh, she's walking her dog by a retention pond it gets attacked by a 10-foot alligator Ugh. bad bad yeah. bad but yeah. now you realize you don't have to go all the way to florida no, no. to find an alligator yeah we're having more and more stories from different parts of the country where you'd go there was an alligator there? Yeah. <laughs> Parks officials in New York said a four-foot alligator was captured swimming in a Brooklyn lake and is now being rehabilitated. Wow, what was in the water? The yeah. New York City Department of Parks and Recreation said a maintenance staff member at Prospect Park spotted an alligator swimming in the park's lake Sunday and notified authorities. The alligator was captured and taken to animal care and control before being transferred to the Bronx Zoo for rehabilitation. Uh, New York City Parks said in a statement provided to WPIX-TV, parks are not suitable homes for animals not indigenous to the, those parks, domesticated or otherwise. Hmm. In addition to the potential danger to the park goers, this could have caused realizing or releasing that is non-indigenous animals or unwanted pets can lead to the elimination of native species and unhealthy water quality in this uh, case the animal was found very lethargic and possibly cold shocked since it's native to warm tropical climates police are investigating to determine how the gator ended up in the park 
Huh. Well, I can tell you how, <laughs> how the gator ended up in the park. Like, hey, hey, this thing is outgrowing the aquarium. What do we do? You know, that's how it ended up in the park. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and mark yesterday we were talking about mail delivery and mm. um you were explaining to me how i can sign up for this thing with the post office right. where they send me you know tell me what i'm getting that mm-hmm. day yeah and then it doesn't arrive um <laughs> it was funny because i saw who was delivering mail mail yesterday in our neighborhood and i knew we weren't going to get anything i'm not kidding man. <laughs> really yeah and sure enough i was right didn't get anything but anyway um there is a story about a letter uh, that arrived at a London man's home. Now, mm-hmm. normally you would think, well, gee, Dave, people get mail every day, right? you know, yeah. Yeah, but some takes a little longer to arrive than others. I mean, it, you know, it just is the way of the world when it comes to mail, right? This yeah. letter well, it was very special mm-hmm. <laughs> guy in London received a letter addressed to a former resident of his home, whoever lived there before, right? Got that. Mm-hmm. He was shocked to discover that letter had been mailed more than a century earlier. It was mailed wow. back in 1916. Nice. Finley Glenn said the letter arrived a couple of years ago at his address on Hamlet Road in South London, but it was addressed to an unfamiliar name and bore an extremely old stamp and postmark. <laughs> he, he said, uh, w- we noticed that the year on it was 16, so we thought it was 2016. Oh, yeah. Then we noticed that the stamp was a king rather than a queen, so we felt that it couldn't have been 2016. The letter was wow. addressed to Mrs. Oswald Marsh and was made out to my dear Katie. The sender <laughs> was identified as Christabel Minnell. Once we realized it was very old, he said, we felt it was okay to open up the letter. Minnell wrote no. in the letter that her family was vacationing in Bath, England. It remains unclear why the letter took so long to arrive at its intended destination. I'm like, I'll take a stand yeah. at that. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, the Royal Mail said in a statement, uh, we appreciate that, that people will be intrigued by the history of this letter from 1916, but have no further information on what might have happened. Well, you find out that the uh, couple broke up because he never wrote back. You know, that's what happened. <laughs> well, so this is like the going back in time and stepping on a butterfly or something, you know, <laughs> really? I'm, a little, I'm a little worried here, Mark. I'm a little encouraged. Because it just means that the postal carriers over there are a lot like the postal carriers here. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. And just to show you that uh, the computer is listening, the phone is listening, <laughs> as soon as we talked about that informed delivery on mail a few uh, minutes ago, what happened, Mark? I, I got my informed delivery from the U.S. Postal Service. The email shows up. There you go. Ding. I'm telling you, man. It's just, you know, every not everybody. A lot of people have noticed that if you are having a conversation with somebody, even over the phone, that within a matter of minutes, you yeah. start seeing ads pop up on social media that apply to what you were talking about. It's true. Even if you never typed it into a search bar, it pops yep. up. Yep. Oh, and it's crazy. This goes back to, you know, people always talk about it. They make, I get mocked, you know. Oh, yeah, I got your tinfoil hat, Dave. I get that all the time, you know. Those are contrails, not Kim. What? Like, no, dude, those are chemtrails, not contrails. There's a difference. <laughs> contrails dissipate. You have 60 seconds, they're gone. Chemtrails don't. They stay forever. And, but no, I'm and, the crazy guy. And when and the, while you're explaining that to the other person, one eyebrow's going up and they're looking at you like, see, the fact that you know this. <laughs> yep, I know. I know. I, it's like I told you, Mark, earlier today. 
I actually had to get some audio out of a, a TV station in Baltimore. And the mm -hmm. news anchor reminded me a lot of the way I do things. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. And I was watching him and I thought, you know, this is why I am not a news anchor because uh -huh. this is what I would sound like. Right. And it's irritating me. Right. Now, if I'm irritated <laughs> at somebody doing the job the way that I would do it, there you go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so just throwing it out there that just because I'm the one that brings up things and say, you know, women don't have an Adam's apple mm -hmm. and chemtrails are not the same as contrails. Right. You know, again, it just means that people don't want to open their eyes to the truth. They want to stick it in the sand and just say, but that's okay. I'm all right. You know, stop. Yeah. Wake up. I'm sorry. But now I'm really freaked out, man, because <laughs> I'm thinking about talking about something that I've never <laughs> talked about before and see if I get an ad for it on my Facebook, you know? You will. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, and we have talked about a lot of weird things today. I'm with you on that, you know? Yeah. But in some ways, it's just a test out. You know, we found out earlier that... In Great Britain, they've been telling people for years that they had this uh, TV detector van, you know, mm, yeah. that would drive around neighborhoods and could tell if you were paying for TV, your license for TV or not. Right. And and now after decades of telling people that, they find out that, no, they really don't find out anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm wondering what, a, you know, we've pointed out where we have talked about something on the air or right here just between the two of us. And next thing you know, Facebook has ads for it, you know. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, we're just eyeballing that. That's all. Just keeping an eye on it. Yeah. So here we go. Mark Scorpion spotted on British Airways flight yep. from Texas to London. Kind of makes you want to take a flight, doesn't it? Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Come fly with me. Let's fly. Wow. Let's fly away. Yeah, I don't know. Passengers on a British Airways flight from Texas to London said they've they had to leave their seats in mid-flight when a scorpion was spotted loose on their plane. 25-year-old Luke Taylor said he was on the Austin-London flight when the crew started conducting a search for a loose scorpion on the plane. It was unclear if the scorpion was a stowaway or had escaped from a container during transit. He said eh, they couldn't find it, and they had to move everyone in that area to empty seats scattered across the plane. British Airways said no one was injured in the incident. They say the safety of our customers is our highest priority, and we're sorry for any concern caused by this highly unusual event. It was unclear whether the scorpion was located after the landing. Texas, by the way, <laughs> for Cliff Clove, a Cliff Clavin moment here, little known fact, <laughs> Texas is home to 18 types of scorpions. The two most common varieties in the Austin area are the striped bark scorpion and the Texas cave scorpion. So the striped bark scorpion. That's what it's It lets you know it's getting ready to take a bite out of crime, right? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, and, you know, a little bit ago when we were talking about scorpions mm -hmm. and I am going to be honest, Mark, I really don't know the difference, you know, between the 18 different types of scorpions that live right. in Texas. Yeah. If I saw a scorpion, I would just assume that I was going to die. I mm -hmm. mean, because <laughs> they look kind of deadly. Yeah, they do. They're real scary looking. 
They really but are. are they? I mean, they couldn't find the scorpion on an airplane. I'm so can't, I can't quite get through the fact that they've got a scorpion on an airplane. Mm-hmm. They can't tell us they found it or kill right. anything. Uh-huh. You know, we, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And now other people are going to get on that plane and they claim they hose these things down after every flight, really clean them good. Right. Really, No, they don't. Yeah. So now, you know, they don't, they don't, they just you know, sweep, they take a little vacuum to the crumbs and that's about it. Yep. Actually, they, they tell you not to walk barefoot in a plane because well, of all the stuff that's in the carpet, you know, just, you know, Mark, yeah. whenever you see those um, horrible pictures of people on planes, you know, and you see their foot poking up uh-huh, and stuff. Yeah. You know, I always thought, surely that's got to be a staged photo. No. But they're not. People no. really are like that in they real are. life. I mean, pe- listen, if people will go to Walmart in the daytime in their pajamas, yeah, they will board yeah. a plane and, and put their nasty bare Ugh. feet up next to your arm on your arm. That's just so it's disgusting. Just, oh, it is nasty. But I don't understand why people don't understand there are other people, you know, in the world besides them. I mean, huh. Uh, huh. we have I- really... Huh. really <laughs> really know. you don't understand that <laughs> i know I, I just did it just become this way or has it always been that way you know have there always been no. people who just didn't care and well, it, or it's just gotten worse there, it's, it's gotten worse there have always been people who just didn't care we've always had you know these people who just the whole universe revolves around them i used to joke about the they must be dizzy with everything spinning around them you know but the the thing is that they've always been among us there are just so many more of them now yeah they they just they just feel entitled to to tell you or to impose on your world and to make you live up to their you know expectations mm -hmm. and and how dare you how dare you call me out for doing what i want to do you know oh (laughs) gosh but that's why i wonder sometimes you know is it because we have a 24-hour news cycle, and we all have a computer in our hand, and we're online a lot, you know, and that we have, uh, is it because we have more access to stuff happening around the world that we find out about these things, or are they happening more often? I I think it's a combination of the two. I think mm-hmm. I think we are seeing more reporting on it because there are so many avenues of information, something yeah. I deal with, and well, you do too, every yep. day, digging, looking for news, news leads and things like that. Every yeah. single day, there's so many different avenues to that broadcast information into our lives. Right. And at the same time, there's social media, which makes everybody a star and they're all looking for their 15 right. minutes of fame. <laughs> and, and yeah. they, and th- this wow. narcissism that has been bred out of it. I mean, this, mm-hmm. This narcissism that's prevalent in America today is just incredible. Just I will tell you, I meant to tell you this a couple of weeks ago, but there was a uh, a podcast, a crime cast, you know, that yeah. was dealing with a particular topic that I was dealing with in my other world, and they had something wrong, okay? And it was one of those things where it really was a big deal, you know, that they had wrong and they were putting out there. So I thought this individual might like to know that they were wrong and needed to correct it, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And the only reason I saw it is because I was doing a, a I was looking, I was throwing the blanket out for new stuff on this particular person. And so I sent a polite note. I looked up, found their email, you know, and sent them a message. Mm. It was very polite, Mark. Um, did I say very polite? Yes, you did. It was very polite. And by the way, very polite. Mm. And was it a polite note, Dave? Very polite. Okay. Mm. Very. And, uh, I was very polite and very complimentary okay. uh, about what they were doing. Um, and we weren't going to use anything, but I thought, you know, this person really has spent some time doing this. Hmm. They would want to know. Yes. They did not. Oh. And we're not concerned. And 
I was wrong and I was stupid. And I, wow. The attack that came back for the next three days. Wow. Was just beyond the pale. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for, I thought, are you, are you messing with me? You know, I, that was my first night. You gotta be kidding, right? You're, you're playing with me mm. but dead on serious, dead wow. on serious. So that's the world we live in. You know, yes, you, it is. <laughs> oh, yikes. Some people just have way too much time on their hands. Mm -hmm. when you and I used to talk about the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Yes. Out of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. and, Tiny you know, group they of go, people, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a lawyer that heads it up, and so they've got all the time in the world, apparently, yep. to do nothing but come after you. And if you get in there, if mm -hmm. you end up in their crosshairs, yep. wow. Yep. Just wow. Those people need a hobby. Yeah. And a life. LifeRadio.fm. It's the uh, Mark and Mac show where today has been very much like a uh, wild kingdom. Uh, we, you know, have you noticed that today? Yeah, we've had a handful of animal stories. Yeah. They've been out there. And yeah. So we thought, why not finish with one? Yeah. So Jim Fowler is going to go on location. Oh, here we go. <laughs> ah, thank you very much for that. Going to grow a mustache over this. I just needed, I got the white hair. I just needed one more hint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A deer crashed through a window into a Tennessee high school and ended up breaking through another window into a second classroom. Security cameras at Houston High School in Germantown were rolling when the deer crashed through a window between 7.30 and 7.45 a.m. Thursday. The deer wandered through the classroom before breaking through another window into a neighboring classroom. The, the school officials said both classrooms were empty at the time and the deer left on its own after a few minutes. The incident came just days after a deer broke through a window into a classroom at Evergreen Elementary School in South Alabama. That deer uh, broke in during the weekend when the school was empty and its visit to the building wasn't discovered until faculty memory members found the mess it left behind wow. on Monday morning. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had a deer jump out in front of me on the way to work one morning oh. and you know when they come out of the woods yeah. and they hit the pavement it's like hitting ice mm -hmm. you know their little hooves yep and uh, I, I i don't know how i dodged him but i did or her mm. um it's just i didn't realize that you know yeah. until it happens in front of you i didn't know right but uh you know yeah i hate seeing deer on the side of the road they've been yeah. hit you know yeah me I, too I think everybody does. Nobody wants to see an animal taken down like that. Yep. But in Tennessee, they've got roadkill rules. And if, if you're traveling in Tennessee, you might want to look that up before you go. Because in some cases, you know, you, they really do. They, yeah. We actually had a story on this a couple of weeks ago yeah, about we did, yeah. the, the rules for eating roadkill yes. in Tennessee. So, so. <laughs> so, so that guy hunched over on the side of the road may not be doing what you think he's doing. He may be gathering lunch. Yeah, he's harvesting. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kill this. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on LifeRadio.fm.